0: chapter twelve of beau brocade by baroness emma orksey this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines Lake city utah the beautiful white rose but of course there was no time to be lost captain jack bathurst was the first to give the alarm those gallant lobsters won't be long in finding out that they've been hoodwinked he said "and i mistake not they'll return here anon with a temper slightly the worse for wear they must not find your lordship here at any rate he added earnestly but what's to be done asked patience all her anxiety returning in a trice and instinctively turning for guidance to the man who already had done so much for her for the next hour or two at any rate his lordship would undoubtedly be safer on the open moor said bathurst decisively tis nigh on sunset and the shepherds are busy gathering in their flocks there'll be no one about and twould be safer on the open moor ay tis not a bad place he said with a touch of sadness in his fresh young voice i myself he checked himself and continued more quietly your lordship could return here after sundown you'd be safe enough for the night after that and you'll grant me leave my friend stitch and i will venture to devise some better plan for your safety for the moment i pray you be guided by this good advice and seek the protection of the open moor he had spoken so earnestly with such obvious heartfelt concern and at the same time with such quiet firmness that instinctively philip felt inclined to obey the weaker nature turned for support to the stronger one to whose dominating influence it felt compelled to yield he turned to patience and her eyes seemed to tell him that she was ready to trust this stranger ay i'll go sir he sighed wearily he kissed his sister with all the fondness of his aching heart all his hopes for the future were centred in her and in the long journey she was about to undertake for his sake bathurst discreetly left brother and sister alone he knew nothing of their affairs of their plans their hopes stitch was too loyal to speak of his lord even to a man whom he trusted and respected as he did the captain the latter knew that a hunted man was in hiding in the smith's forge he had taken a message from the man to the lady at stretton hall now he knew for certain that the fugitive was the earl of stretton but that was all being outside the pale of the law himself his sympathies at once ranged themselves on the side of the fugitive whether the latter were guilty or innocent mattered little to jack bathurst what did matter to him was that the most beautiful woman he had ever set eyes on was unhappy and in tears philip seeing that he could talk to his sister unobserved whispered eagerly the letters dear have a care how will you carry them in the drawer underneath the seat of the coach she whispered in reply i'll not leave the coach day or night until i've reached london from worksworth onwards i'll be travelling with relays i need neither spare horses nor waste a moment's time i can be in town in less than six days when will your coach be ready in a few minutes now and i'll start at once but go go now dear she urged tenderly since captain bathurst thinks it better that you should she kissed him again and again her heart full of hope and excitement at thought of what she could do for him yet aching because of this parting it was terrible to leave him in this awful peril to be far away if danger once again became imminent when at last he had torn himself away from her he made quickly for the door where bathurst had been waiting for him ah sir sighed philip bitterly tis a sorry plight for a soldier and a gentleman to hide for his life like a coward and a thief but bathurst before leaving was looking back at the beautiful picture of patience's sweet face bathed in tears like a thief he murmured nay sir thieves have no angels to guard and love them methinks you have no cause to complain of your fate there was perhaps just a thought of bitterness in his voice as he said this and patience turned to him and gazed at him in tender womanly pity through her tears at once the electrical sunny nature within him again gained the upper hand laughter and gaiety seemed with him to be always close to the surface ready to ripple out at any moment and calling forth hope and confidence in those around an you'll accept my escort sir he said cheerfully to philip i'll show you a sheltered spot known only to myself and to jack-o'-lantern he added giving a passing tender tap to his beautiful horse he and i are very fond of the moor eh jack old friend we are the two jacks you see sir and seldom are seen apart Together we discovered the spot which I will show you, sir, and where you can lie, Perdue, until nightfall. Tis safe and lonely, and but a step from this forge. Philip accepted the offer gratefully. Like his sister, he too felt that he could trust Jack Bathurst. As he walked by his side, along the unbeaten track on the heath, he viewed with some curiosity, not unmixed with boyish admiration the tall well-knit figure of his gallant rescuer he tried to think of him as the notorious highwayman beau brocade on whose head the government had put the price of a hundred guineas a hero of romance he was in the hearts of the whole countryside yet a felon in the eyes of the law Philip could just see his noble profile, with the well-cut features, the boyish sensitive mouth, firm chin, and straight massive brow, over which a mass of heavy brown curls clustered in unruly profusion. A brave man, surely, Philip had experienced that. A wise one, too, in spite of his youth, Stretton guessed his companion to be still under thirty years of age and yet there was at times in spite of the inherently sunny disposition below a look of melancholy of disappointment in the deep gray eyes which spoke of a wasted life of opportunities lost perhaps or of persistent adverse fate through it all there was that quaint air of foppishness the manners and appearance of a dandy about the court the caped coat was dark and serviceable but it was of the finest cloth and of the latest most fashionable cut and beneath it peeped a dainty silk waistcoat delicately embroidered the lace at throat and wrists was of the finest mucklin and the boots though stout and heavy betrayed the smallness and the arch of the foot though jack bathurst had obviously been riding he carried neither whip nor cane all that philip observed in this rapid walk to the place of shelter which bathurst had thought out for him patience with a woman's quick perception had noted from the first to her of course the captain was but a gallant stranger good to look at and replete with all the chivalrous attributes this troublous century called forth in the hearts of her sons she knew not of beau brocade the highwayman and probably would have recoiled in horror at thought of connecting the name of a thief with that of her newly found hero of romance she stood in the doorway for some time watching with glowing eyes the figures of the two men until they disappeared behind a high clump of gorse then with a curious little sigh she turned and went within john stitch and mistress betty were carrying on an animated conversation in a remote corner of the forge patience did not wish to disturb them she was deeply grateful to john and felt kindly disposed towards the suggestion of romance conveyed by the smith's obvious appreciation of pretty mistress betty she crossed the shed and opening the door at the further end of it she found that it gave upon a small yard which separated the forge from the cottage and in which stitch and his mother who kept house for him had with tender care succeeded in cultivating a few flowers only one or two tall hollyhocks some gay-looking sunflowers and a few sweet-scented herbs and on the south aspect a lovely trail of creeping white rose the kind known as five sisters threw its delicate fragrance over this little oasis in the wilderness of the moor and almost mechanically whilst her fancy once more went a-roaming in the land of dreams patience began to hum the quaint old ditty my beautiful white rose suddenly at a quick thought mayhap her eyes grew dim her cheeks began to burn she drew towards her a cluster of snowy blossoms on which the earlier rains had left a mantle of glittering diamonds and buried her glowing face in its pure cool depths then she detached one lovely white rose from the parent bough and sighing pinned it to her belt chapter twelve